Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I remembered um, this morning, a few years ago, it's been maybe 10 years ago, I was out in the backyard and I had some symptoms on me of stuffiness, sore throat, and so forth. And it was just the beginning of, of a, like a bad cold or flu or whatever was coming on. And I was standing there thinking about it and I thought, yeah, the next thing that's gonna happen will be this. And I was in my mind going through the stages of the flu or the cold or something like that. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, and I was going through that and I thought, what am I doing? I'm looking forward to the next thing. But I knew in my spirit that it's like, okay, it's going to run its course and it'll be over. And I'll be fine. It's not going to kill me. But at the same time, I'm, I'm dealing with this uh, thoughts of, okay, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. Da, 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 and all that. And I stopped immediately and I thought, what am I doing? And I grabbed myself, standing out there in the backyard and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this virus to die. I call your assignment to naught right now in Jesus' name. It was about nine, maybe 9.30 in the evening or something like that. And uh, the next morning I didn't have stuffiness or anything. I was fine. And I learned something that uh, I remember as I was praying there, commanding this thing, I canceled its assignment. In other words, you don't have the right any longer to continue going down this path. It stops now. And I learned something very important that, and that is that everything has an assignment. And sickness is, you know, a virus has an assignment. It's going to run its course, right? Well, it doesn't have to run its course in your body. You can put a stop to it. You just say, no, 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 no. My God has healed me. And just stand on, on, on what the Word says. Amen? Amen? Amen. So hope that helps some of you. How many of you know that last year about this time, I, I stood up and I was ministering on uh, the Word of the Lord about 2023, about all that was going to, what the Lord had shown me about uh, 2023 and, and what the Lord would have in store for us. Now today we did not bring a bow and arrow with us to church <laughs> because I'm going to tell you the hole is still there. But uh, and, and, I, and I thought about it after I thought you know people won't remember the message but they're going to remember that. And from time to time I think it was this past week over the holidays Tyler's started giggling. I said, what is it? And he says, I was riding down the road the other day and I, I, I thought about Peter shooting that bow, that arrow going into the wall. And he was laughing about it. And he says, from time to time, I have to pull it up on the video and I watch it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I wanted to say, did you listen to the sermon that goes with that? Or did you just remember the arrow in the wall, you know? But uh, just to kind of reminisce, because you may be like that this morning, I asked Marcia and she says, 
I don't remember the message. And I said, do you remember Peter shooting an arrow on the wall? Oh, that I remember. And so I think that was the highlight of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the Word. And, uh, but what it boils down to was the Lord was speaking to us and saying that here we had the prophet Elisha, who had been the prophet in the land for 45 years. He was the main prophet in the land. And for the last 20 or, or so, he had not really done anything. No miracles, no words, nothing like that. And a new king, a young king had come into office, Jehoash, and he's the new king. And he heard that Elisha was, uh, was not doing well. And as a matter of fact, he was laying on his deathbed. And so he came to him down in Dothan to see him and bid him farewell. And he came in the door and he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now there he was, he was honoring the prophet Elisha with the words that come forth from his lips. He was honoring him. And, the, the, you know, he knew that Elisha was the strength of the nation. It wasn't his, the military, it wasn't all their equipment. For Elisha had basically told Israel uh, on several occasions where Syria was going to come in and attack. Matter of fact, uh, he was the one that, was, that said about this time tomorrow when Syria had Samaria surrounded, the capital. And he spoke forth the words. And they all knew this. And so here it was, he came down there and Elisha was, was lying there on the bed and he says to the king, he says, bring me the bow. Bring your arrows out. And he opened the window eastward uh, towards Syria. And he says, put your hands upon this bow and put your hands here. And he did so. And then the, the prophet Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And this was symbolic saying, it's, you're about to be used as an agent of God to do a work. But it's not going to be you. It's going to be God doing it. You're going to be the instrument through the military, but it's going to not be in your strength. It's going to be in the prophetic word of the Lord. And so he said, shoot, and he shot, and it went down in, into the earth like it was supposed to. And, uh, and that was a, a symbolic uh, representation of God about to do a work. And then he told King Jehoash, he says, take your arrows and shoot them into the ground continually, just right out there. And he did so about three arrows and stopped. And the prophet got angry with the king. He said, what did you quit for? Why did you stop? You should have shot every arrow you had. And if you'd have done so, you would have annihilated Syria. They would never be able to overtake you. But because you stopped at three, you're going to beat them at Aphek. And then three other times and that's it. What would cause him to stop after that? He honored the prophet with his mouth, but he did not. He dishonored him with his actions. And because he didn't believe, or was he just like, well, you know, I don't want to ask God to do too much. I mean, if we beat him three, four times, that'll give us some more time. And I mean, what was going on in him? And I find that a lot of times we do the same thing as people. We honor God with our lips. Oh yeah, Jesus is Lord. But by our actions, we say something different. 
And the Lord was saying to us last year that he, he wants us not only to hear what he's saying, but he wants us to obey what he's saying and to do it with our whole heart. You see, King Jehoash was doing it half-heartedly. He was more or less just going through the motions of religion. You know, there's times in our lives we have to guard ourselves that we're not just going through the motions. We sing the songs, we honor God with our lips of who He is and how great He is, and then our actions say something different. And that ought to be a wake-up to us, you know. I, I was raised in the in the Catholic Church, and, and uh, I don't know how many of you have ever attended a Mass before or seen it. The word Mass means a celebration. And back when I was just a little child growing up, it was all in Latin. So guess what? We didn't even know what was being said. But yet we went. And we observed. And we sang. And we went through the motions and left out of there and really same same way we came in. We did our religious duty. How many of you know God's not interested in a performance like that? He's interested in your heart. He's interested in a relationship with us. And He doesn't want it to be half-hearted. He wants it to be all of your heart. All of your heart. To do it with all of your whole being, your, your whole body, your whole soul, everything about you. And uh, He wants us to believe the Word of the Lord above all the circumstances of that are going on around us. So, last year, uh, that was the word that the Lord gave me. And matter of fact, I got some of it written here. It says, uh, don't be moved by the shifting times that we're living in. Don't look to the government for your help, but look to God's word. Believe, trust, and obey God's word. Don't look to the economics of this world. Look to the word, believe, trust, and obey God's word. Don't get caught up into the affairs of this world, the politics, the, the, the policies and the false promises, but rather look to God's promises. You know, and to shoot your arrows. In other words, don't quit. Shoot your arrows for your arrows are for your children and your grandchildren. Shoot those arrows. How many of you know a lot of times we don't have a minute's worth of problem praying over our food? Does anybody ever pray over your food before you eat? Yeah. But, but how many of you pray for your children and for your grandchildren? We all have our hands up. We should be praying for our children and our grandchildren more than over that food. Amen? And it's important. Otherwise, we're being religious. We're just praying over the food because that's what we do. But we ought to be focused on praying for our children and our grandchildren. Amen? Well, the word was, don't stop now. Jehoash honored the prophet with his lips, but did not honor God or the prophet with his actions. So, like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that, and for the last 20 or so years, uh, when it gets around October, November, December, I'm listening like, Lord, what are you saying? What about 2024? And so, I think it was about Right after Thanksgiving, I started really like, Lord, what, what are you saying about year 2024? And I kept hearing a particular word, and I kept thinking, no, that can't be it. Let's, Lord, look, what, what, what about this? And it kept coming back over and over and over again. It came in different ways. And uh, first of all, he said this to me. He said, the year of 2024 will be a year of decisions. 
a year of decisions. There'll be decisions that we have to make all the time this year. And the decisions that we make will have an effect on our future. The decisions we make, that's not a rocket science, is it? But he's saying something important for us. He says, there's decisions that will be made. And he said this, he said, seek the Lord for his help with making these decisions. Seek the Lord with the, for his help in making the decisions that you'll have to make. He said, don't wait to the last minute to do so. Don't wait to the last minute. In other words, he was saying, stay in fellowship with me so that it won't take you so long to hear what I'm telling you and to get it through to you. How many of you know if you just, you never pray, you never do anything, and all of a sudden you want to seek God, it may take him a while to get it across to you what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? So he said, don't waste time doing that. Stay in fellowship with me and you'll hear because there's going to be a lot of decisions you have to make and you're not going to have time just to go off. No, you're going to need to know now what to do. And he said this, the Lord's voice, uh, let God's voice be the first voice you hear every morning. Let his voice be the first voice. Now that's important. Before you get started and doing anything else and taking phone calls, do it all, you need to make sure that you take some time to hear his voice. And to know his voice with such a, under, uh, with such a clarity, it's kind of like knowing your, your mate's voice or one of your children's voices, right? You can be at the, at the store and your children can be running down an aisle and doing something and you're on a, you can't see them, but you can hear them and you know that's them doing it. You, you know what I'm saying? Or they say, Mama, and you know that voice. Why? And, and God's saying, I want you to, to know my voice like that. It doesn't take time to stop. Now, who, who am I talking with? You know who you're talking with. You, it's that quick. He said, you'll have to make some decisions quickly and know that the stirring in your spirit is of God and not heartburn from what you had for lunch. Okay? You, you need to be able to discern like th that that's the word of the Lord. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel a little something, but I just don't know if that's it or if it's, you know, maybe it's something I ate. No, no. Know that it's God that's speaking to you. And that'll happen because you practice His presence because you, you're continually doing this over and over and over. One of the things He said was in making these decisions, you'll be confronted with whose report will you believe? Whose report Will you believe? You know, there's a lot of reports that are not being spoken and, and shared throughout the world, right? You're watching TV, there's all kind of reports. And he says, in your decision making, you'll be confronted with, are you going to believe my word? Or are you going to believe what they're saying on this news broadcast? Are you hearing me? Will you believe God's word or will you believe the many voices that are out there in the world? Will you consider God's word with your lips? But when it comes to God's word, well, it's just outdated based upon your actions. Will you give the fears of this age your attention and move accordingly or Will you react? I mean, uh, will you respond to God's word accordingly? 
See, we're going to be making some decisions and we have to realize, are we going to react out of, the, out of fear and what's, going, what's taking place or will we respond out of what God's Word says? You, are you following me? Because we're going to be making these decisions and you're going to see how, in just a minute, how many decisions we're being faced with all the time. This year is going to be a very, very important year. It says, how many of you know uh, deception has been around since the Garden of Eden? Isn't that right? It's been around a long time. And it's just as prevalent today in manifesting itself as it's ever been in the history of the earth. It's everywhere. Webster's Dictionary says it this way about deception. Deception is the act of causing someone to accept as truth or valid what is false or invalid. The act of deceiving. Everywhere you turn, and that's the word I kept getting, deception, deception, deception. All for the last several weeks, you know, I'm saying, Lord, no, deception. I don't like that one. Lord, get, you got another one? I want another one. I mean, do you have something else? He says, deception. Deception. Begin to see it for what it is. Deception. And then it began to start revealing to me all the different ways deception is interfering with our lives and our thinking. How many of you know that we're confronted daily with deception? We're surrounded by it. How many of you receive any emails or text messages that are scams and they're trying to get something from you? They're trying to get you to purchase a product or a service. Uh, they want your personal information. It's deception. They're deceiving you to try to get something from you. They're not really trying to help you. We received an a, a invoice or a letter, maybe I should say. It actually was an advertisement in the mail here the other day. And the advertisement basically came to you looking like an invoice for a service that they have been doing and wanting you to renew it. But in the fine print off to the side where you really couldn't see it and because of the way it's looking, it says, this is not an invoice. But they wanted you to tear that part off and fill out a check and send it off to them. And then now you're enrolled into something you probably could never get out of. But that was deceptive. Has anybody ever got anything in the mail like that? There it is right there. It's deception. You're having to deal with it. And then there's the phone calls, right? Everybody needs a, you know, extra automobile warranty, extended warranty, right? I mean, it's there. But then, but there's also phone scams where it's, they say they're from the IRS or they're from the Social Security Administration or they're from Medicaid, or even your local police department. And they're trying to get something from you. Most of the time it's your information, bank account numbers, checks, or anything. They want to get something from you like that. And then there's the pop-ups on the website, right, that says you have been infected. Click here for help. Go ahead and click it. You will be infected. You weren't infected before that, but now you will be. Why? Because they won't sell you a product to get rid of what they just did to your computer. Deception. Even the nightly news is full of deception. 
One network says one thing, you turn across another channel, and it'll tell you the very opposite of what that one just got through saying. Somebody's deceiving you, aren't they? Or is it both of them? And we're truly living in an information age, but most of it is false information. Because it doesn't come in alignment with what God said. So it has to be false because he said, let every man be a liar and God's word true. So if it's not in alignment with what God said, it is a deception there. There's reports of new viruses that are coming out that are worse than the ones that we had before. Back at, with COVID and all that, all, all these things, right? Uh, that's what they're saying. And then you have to stop back and look and say, well, can we trust the World Health Organization to do right this time? What's going to take place? It's about, you hear these things and it's, the deception begins to, to start clicking in your mind. Can I trust our government? Are, we gonna, are they going to lock us down? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? All this stuff starts going into motion because you heard what they were saying about it. Then we were told that the economy is collapsing, didn't we, this past year? That we're heading into the worst recession that we've, that, uh, of, of time since 1929. And in a blink of an eye, the economy is strong, it's powerful, and we're going to experience a soft landing. Now my father went through the Great Depression, and I don't believe he would have said that that was the way it worked. Because I hadn't seen a lot of soup lines. People out of work and all that. Then there's violence and crime. They're just running rapid throughout the whole country and around the world. And the only people that's really being penalized for the violence and the crimes that's being committed is the one that was the victim. They're being penalized. And being told basically that it, the criminals did what they did. Why? Because of us. It's our fault. That's a deception. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's something they did. And then there's the wars between Russia and Ukraine. There's the, you know, and whose side will, will our country or the, another country support in, in their endeavors there? And then there's China threatening Taiwan, North Korea threatening the world. And then there's Iran. So everywhere we turn, we're confronted with wars and rumors of wars, things that are taking place on planet Earth. Israel, savagely attacked by Hamas, and within just a few days, weeks, it was all Israel's fault and Hamas was the, was the victim. Is that deception or not? This is what we're hearing and have been hearing for a whole year. You mean we, more than that, really, but, if we, but it's intensifying, and, and the Lord says it's going to get worse. So we need to understand that deception is around everywhere we turn. Not to live in fear, but to stay focused on what God's Word says. College campuses are safe havens for everyone that's, that's not a conservative or a Jew. In politics, it's the worst of all. It's the only profession that I know that can, you get paid to stand and lie and tell slanted truth. Tell something that is about as crazy and you can prove it, yet they stand there and still say it bold face. 
over and over and over, knowing it's a lie. Telling us our borders are secure. I mean, this is everyday things we're hearing when we know they're, they're not secure. So when we turn around and then we question even the law enforcement agencies, the FBI, the CIA, the court systems, they're all in question. Why? Because of the deception that has been presented to us. Really, it's been going on in a larger scale for the last 20 years. It's just compounding more and more and more every time we turn around. And Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 4. He says, take heed that no man deceives you. Take heed. Pay attention that you're not deceived by man or companies, corporations, the news, different ways, different things deceiving you. What does this, does this deception do to you when you start hearing about wars or rumors of wars? Do you just say like, well, everything's going to be fine? Or is it, it's there to do something, it's to cause fear? Or the economy is collapsing, it's there to cause fear. Sickness, new virus out there, it's there to cause fear. Your government just did something else, that's there to cause fear that you can't trust them. Everywhere you turn, there's a deception going on. And there's only really one place that we can turn to that there is no deception, it's truth, and that's God. In 2 Peter verse 7, it says that uh, this bombardment of, of deception that we're, I'm talking about, well, before we go there, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 6, it says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And we know that when he said that to them as they were in their boat going across, that they first thought about the fact that they didn't bring lunch. And he said, I'm not talking about making sandwiches, guys. I'm talking about the leaven that's going to permeate through you what they're saying. The Pharisees are going to go about their traditions and they're going to be saying things and doing things. And if you allow that to get inside of you, it's going to permeate into all of your being, to your whole life. That's what he was saying to them. Another time he said, beware of the leaven of Herod. In other words, the government. Beware of the leaven that they're going to permeate throughout your whole life. Another place he said, beware of the leaven of the scribes. So it, even Jesus was saying, it's everywhere you turn. He says, beware of that. Watch out for it. It's there. So what's the deception really about? Well, 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 7 says it this way. Can you put that up there, Josh? I didn't have time to get him some scripture verses. As a matter of fact, when Peter called me about ministering this morning, uh, it was yesterday about this time, so I didn't have that. Did, did you get that? Is it up there? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. I want us to see something here. He's talking about Lot when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah and God was about to destroy it. And it says, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. He was being vexed. In other words, he was being uh, hassled, uh, hindered constantly with what the, the filthy conversation of the wicked. In verse eight it says, for that righteous man dwelleth among them 
dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. It was constantly there breaking him down, causing him to be vexed. The deception every single day that surrounds you and I, constantly coming against you over and over and over, is not just because we don't have anything else to do. It's there. It has an assignment as well. And this assignment is this, to get you to, to give up and to just give in. So we need to recognize it's not so much about the, 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 the advertisements or this and that. The deception is wanting you to just say, well, who cares? What are we going to do about it? Just give in. Just go with the flow. No. Matter of fact, Jesus was saying, beware of that. That's what it's assignments to do. So we're being harassed and surrounded daily, vexed in our spirit with constant bombardment of, of deception and everywhere we turn to the place where don't even turn the TV on. Don't even check the mailbox. I mean, you've got to live, right? But what Lord is saying to us in 2024 is we're going to make a lot of decisions this year. And we need to be on top of it. We need to be aware of what's being said and what's going on. And, and the very first voice we hear in the morning is his voice and not the TV or the radio or some commentator telling us what they want us to hear. We need to be in tune to hear his voice at all times. This is a very important year, like I said before. This is an election year, right? Huh? I know y'all are going to vote, right? Sure you will. You know, we're going to pray and we're going to vote. But how many of you remember about four years ago that there was another election? And everybody thought, well, this is the way it's going to be. You know, we're going to do this. And God said this. And, and they were making all kind of claims. And then all of a sudden we realized, well, that's, that's not what happened. Somebody else was elected. And people got upset. And they started making claims or, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. This is going to take place and that's going to take place. And none of that took place. We need to settle it now that Jesus is Lord. It don't matter who's in the White House. Are you hearing me? God's word says he puts in kings and sets them down. And he can set down one administration just like that. But what you don't want to do is put all your ducks and all your praise and all your comfort and security into the next generation when it needs to be in God. Are you hearing me? In 2024, we'll be confronted time and time again with deception. But there's something that we can do about it. How many of you would like to know what we can do about it? We can settle it in our heart today that Jesus is Lord. Settle it, settle it now. That's the other part of the word that I was getting from the Lord. I hear the deception part. And, and then this two days ago, he said, you need to tell them to settle it now. Settle things now before an election that Jesus is Lord. Settle it now that God's promises are true no matter what. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that what he said? So he's not changing. So if he said something 
3,000 years ago, it's still just as real and true a thousand years ago as it is today and will be tomorrow because he is truth. And we need to understand that. And we need to take that position. We need to properly position ourselves with that. In Proverbs chapter 4, if we could flip over there, please, in verse 20. God said, this is some things I want you to just go over. Uh, we won't be real long today. Probably be out by, by 2 o'clock. And uh, anyway, uh, how we can stop the deception from being able to enter in. See, it's one thing for me to say beware of deception. But how, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep it from entering into us? And this is, this is it right here. It says, my son or my daughter, attend to my words. Didn't say attend to the words on the TV. Didn't say attend to the words of the government. Didn't say attend to all that. He said attend to my words. What did I say? Not what they said, but what did I say? Because what I said is the truth. What they say is what they're wanting you to do. So to start with, this whole year, we need to really focus in that the deception is there to cause us to do something contrary to what God's Word says. Recognize that. And he said, my son, attend to my words. In other words, not just attend to it. He says, go do it. Do what I said. He says, incline thy ear unto my sayings. What? Yeah. Incline your ear. Be in, make an effort. Do something about it. Because you're going to have to make hearing the word of the Lord a priority in your life. You're going to incline, you're going to have to do something. It's not just going to be, well, it's just there. No, you may have to tune it in. Do that daily Bible study uh, through the year, right? Every single day. Not, well, I'm going to do it once a week and just catch up for a whole week. No, you're deceiving yourself because there's six days a week you're going to be bombarded and the seventh thing you say, well, I'm already far behind. You know, why even try? Don't do it every day. Incline your ear. Make an effort. And he says there, uh, incline thine ear to my sayings. The word saying means word, promise, decree, appointment, plan, and purposes. And we're to stretch forth our, to hear the truth of God's word, his promises, his plans, his decrees, his purposes for our life. It is an appointment that should never be broken. Don't be listening to all what they're saying. Listen to what did he say? What they say changes. Has not it changed quite a bit this year with the economy part? We're going into this major thing. People are going to be out of work where the supply lines are shut down. All kind of, well, looking around here, didn't nobody go without eating? Everybody's been eating, right? But they tried to paint a very bad picture last January. And then the market was as high as it's been in a long time at the end of the year. It changes quickly. Holy Spirit will speak to us about issues in our life and things that are coming up in our life before it happens. That's his job. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
There's a proceeding word coming forth, but are we in tune? Are we positioned ourselves to hear what he's saying to us? Or we're allowing a television set to do the speaking for him. Words coming forth, but are we positioned to hear it? And that's what the Lord wants us to do is position ourselves to hear. He said, let them, what them? Let my words not depart from thine eyes. Don't you dare quit looking at what my word says of my promises. Don't do it. And that's, that's what he said. He said, let them, the, my words, not depart from thy eyes. Keep, guard, protect, attend to, and maintain my words in the midst of of thy heart. Verse 22, I'm sorry. For they are life unto those that find them. What is life? God's word is life to those that find them. So what would be the opposite of the God's word is deception. Deception then will not be the life that you want. It's the sickness to those that find them. So focus in on the life God's Word, and health to all their flesh. God's Word is health to our flesh. It's a medicine. Just like I was saying earlier, if you're not careful, the commercials on TV will tell you you're going to be sick this year. This is flu season. Right? Well, my words, the Bible doesn't say that there's a flu season. It said there's a healing season. And it's every day. It says, verse 23, it says, keep thy heart with all diligence. The word heart there is cardia, and it means the thoughts, feelings, emotions, and all that. It says, guard, keep, protect, attend to, maintain your thoughts, your emotions, and your feelings with all diligence. So what is deception trying to do? Tear it all down. Take away the truth from, from being there. And it said here, for out of your heart are the issues of life. It is the exits, it's the boundaries, it's the tomorrows in your life. It propels them, it, it, it gives them, it's, it's life. Verse 24 says, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. He was saying, put away this deceptive talk. Don't go out there speaking deception just because you heard it on the TV set or you heard it at the water cooler at work. Deception, you don't need to be speaking what they're speaking that's contrary to what God says. Even James told us in the Bible that, that it, when we speak those things, even in jesting, it tells us that, that, that that's what is true now, not the truth. And we have to understand that because science will even tell us that. You know, you got to stay focused on, on what you're hearing. So put away all the crazy jesting and talk and everything, all the perverseness that we're hearing, don't be repeating it. 
It says, let thy eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, only look to God's word. Don't be looking at what's happening out there. Look to what God's word says. What did God say? Over and over and over. He said, ponder thy path, verse 26. Uh, ponder the, the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. He says, consider your feet. Look at your path. Check it out every day. Where am I going? How am I getting there? What's my attitude in getting there? Don't wait till you're faced with a situation. You should be able to see it before you ever got there. I'm, I'm getting off course. No. Listen to yourself. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. And let all your ways, your course of life, your mode of action be established, settled upon God's Word. Let God's Word be the rule. Let it be the, 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 the standard. It says, turn not to the right hand nor to the left and remove your foot from evil. And maybe you know the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. Is that what it said? Or is that just there because they needed some space filled in the bottom of the page? No. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee. The Bible goes on and says, don't give place for the devil. Don't give him any room. Don't let him have uh, areas in your life where he can come in. But Jesus did say this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I could be. He said he was. He was the truth. It says, John 17, 7, it says, Sanctify them through the, thy truth. Thy word is truth. Say, God's word is truth. Then when there's nowhere else to turn. I mean, why do we want to hear a lie? God promises that he's got in his word, that is truth. And it comes from him. We need to focus on that. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. How many of you like that verse? It goes on and says, unless you are surrounded with deception. No, I didn't say that. It doesn't matter if you're surrounded with deception. God's word... His promises are still yea and amen. It's still true. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. God's word is true. It doesn't matter what sickness might be in the world. God's word is true. It doesn't matter what war is taking place in what continent. God's word is true. You can still be at peace. Settle it now. Don't wait till something happens and say, I don't know what's going on. Settle it now. Make your decision. Nope, God's word's true. I'm not going to move in fear. I'm not going to live with all of that. That's not what God said. I'm, I'm going to stick with God. Because I'm going to tell you something. When it's all said and done, that's who's left. It's God. And you'd be wanting to be standing there with him. God's promises are true in the midst of a famine just as well as if it was everything was going great. There's no limitations on the promises of God being yea and amen based on what's going on in the world. Yes. None. Do you know he was still the God of, of, of health and healing in the midst of COVID? Yeah. He still was. 
And he still is. You know, the Bible talks about in, in Habakkuk, he says, in verse, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Behold you among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. <laughs> Why wouldn't we believe God's word if he told it to us? Could it be that we're so infiltrated with the deception of this world and these things that we look sometimes and say, well, you know, that's what it was back then. But today's different. How much of this leaven, this deception, are we allowing to get into us and infiltrate our hearts and our minds, our thinking? Well, you need to guard that. And that's what God's saying. You need to guard your heart. You're going to be making decisions that's going to, be, that's going to determine your future and what you're going to be going through. And you need to be doing this on my word, my promises, because they're truth and not on the deception. And he told him, he said, Habakkuk, you're, you're, you're seeing all this taking place in your nation by your own people doing it. He said, but I'm going to do something in your day. You won't even believe what I'm about to do, even though I'm going to tell you. Now, you would think that that's amazing that he would tell him that. And, he's, and, and basically, Habakkuk said, you're right, I don't. I would have never thought you were going to use somebody else to come down here and straighten us out. But you know, it's written also again in Acts chapter 13, verse 40. It says, take care, therefore, lest there come upon you what is spoken in the prophets. Look, you scoffers and scorners, and marvel and perish and vanish away. For I'm doing a deed in your day, a deed which will never you would never have confidence in or believe, even if someone clearly describing in detail declares it to you. Really? Why? Because you get deceived by hearing it over and over and over and not staying focused on what God's Word says. Now these scriptures are as applicable for us today as it were when they were delivered then. God's doing a work today. God's doing a work today. He's not sitting back saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to wait. When y'all straighten out down there, I'll, I'll come back and finish up. He's doing a work today. He's still keeping his promises today for those that will be doers of what he said. Romans 3 says this, he says, for what if some don't believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Shall the deceptions that we're hearing and we're seeing everywhere we turn make God's word of no effect? No. But you can, you can allow it to, but it still doesn't change the power of God or his desire for your life. Doesn't change it at all. But you can allow it to get in and infiltrate into your thinking and into your emotions and every part of your body and begin to let it mold and fashion and shape and you go in a different direction. And the Lord's saying, settle it now. Settle it therefore in your heart not to meditate on these things. Meditate then on my word. On what did I say? Continue to resist the devil. He'll flee. Verse 19 over in, uh, I think it's 
Luke or Matthew, Luke's 21 verse 19 says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. In your endurance, possess, own your souls, own your thinking, own your thoughts, own your emotions. Don't allow somebody else to come in and, and take ownership of your thought life. He says, in your patience or endurance during these times that we live in, during that, own your own soul. Don't let somebody else come in there and take possession of your soul. And, and that's something that we have to do. We need to make sure it's, it's the way it is. Settle it. That word settle is, is kind of a uh, strange word. In our English language, the word settle has two definitions. I mean, uh, is we, we use it as in one way, but in, back in this uh, particular verse here, it's, it's two different two different definitions, really. It's two different words. So you have to watch which word is being used. But both of them will be translated in English as the word settle. Does that make sense? The, the word here, it says, settle it now. Is used, it says settle it, and it's used in a passive and horizontal position. He's saying that's not what it is. Another place where he would use the word settle would be make it upright and established. Okay? This point here, he says, settle it now. Settle it within you. Not what to think. Settle it, in, settle it therefore in your heart. Let it be in your thoughts, in your, in your heart right now. Just go ahead and settle it. I'm not going to be concerned with all this stuff, this deception. I'm going to stay focused on God's Word. We see another place in the Scripture. Well, actually, when we look at it, settle it. What's the it in your life? You ever thought about that? Settle it in your heart. What it? What's the it that we're faced with today that's in, that's in your heart? What will the it be tomorrow? And how will we respond to the it? Or will I react to the it? What we need to be doing is meditating on God's Word, right? And that will take care of the it's in your lives. The prophet Elijah spoke it well when he confronted the false prophets of Israel and all them. And he, he said this to them. He got them all together and he brought them together on, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 21. It says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? The complete Jewish Bible says this way. Elijah stepped forward before all the people and said, how long are you going to jump back and forth between two positions? Don't come down here on the Sabbath and say, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jesus, you know, we're all, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and then go hop right back out there the way the world does. He said, how long are you going to do that? You know, that's a word for the church today. How long are we going to hop between two opinions, dancing back and forth, jumping back and forth. We shouldn't be doing that. How long are you going to let this go on? He said, let the God that answers by fire be God. And you know what? 
Baal didn't answer. They didn't, it didn't happen. But God, our God, did answer by fire. He did. And he still does today because he's still God. And we need to, to recognize that, no, we're going to go with, with God. Let him be the Lord. He answered by fire. Let it be so. Elisha was saying, settle it now. Elijah was saying, settle it now. The writer of Hebrews said this, it says, let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God hadn't gone anywhere. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's here. And you know what? He said it for a reason. He said it so that we could boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That's what it says. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We need to realize that our God is our God. Amen? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word's the same. It's not outdated. It is the truth. Amen? Now, there's a practical application that we could see this, and I'm going to just paraphrase it real quickly for us to see. And uh, if you would, Josh, go ahead and just throw the scripture verse up there so we can see that. Uh, Genesis chapter 28 in verse uh, 10. Kind of give you just a little bit of background on it. Jacob is running for his life. Okay, he's deceived Isaac. Esau said he's going to kill him. Things aren't going well. The man is 80 years old, running for his life. Everything he has, he's got it with him on his, in, in a backpack or something. He doesn't even say he had a camel or a horse to ride on. He couldn't stay in town. His whole life was just a mess. So he's running there, and it says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. Verse 11. It says, And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the other stones of that place and put them for a pillow and laid down in that place to sleep. Verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder uh, set up upon the earth. And the top of it reached into the heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now he saw something here in this dream. He saw what? He saw a ladder, an extension coming from the earth to heaven. And he saw that the angels of God were coming down and going up. This is something that he saw. In verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, now he's going to hear something. He saw something, now he's going to hear something. And what he's hearing is, is I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Verse 14, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and all thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 15, and behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all thy places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of to thee. So now we see here that 
in these verses here that God said something to him. So Jacob saw something, now he's heard something. In verse 16, go to that. Verse 16, and Jacob awakened out of his sleep and he said, now he's going to respond. He saw something, he heard something, now he's going to respond. And that's what we're doing this morning. We've heard something, we've seen something, and now we have to make a decision to respond. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said this, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. How many of you realize that over the course of the last several years, you may have been asking a lot of times, where's God? Where's God? How could God let this happen? How could God do this? How, where's God? And Jacob's like, I'm right here. I didn't even know he was here. Because see, Jacob was looking at his life and all that was going on in his life. He wasn't looking to God. He was looking as, I'm running for my brother. I'm 80 years old, got to start all over again. Don't have two nickels to rub together. Things aren't going very well in my life. He laid down, went to sleep, and God showed up and said this. I am the God of Abraham. In other words, I'm the God of your past. I knew you before you were, when, before you were ever even thought of. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm your God of your past. Then he says, I'm the God of Isaac, your present. And then he began to make all those promises, what he was going to do. Give him the land that he was on. He was going to feed him and take care of him and, and all that. He says, and what he was saying was, I'm the God of your future as well. Are you hearing me? And, ja and Jacob wakes up and says, wow, the God of my past, the God of my present, the God of my future, he's been here all along and I didn't even know it. Could it very well be that we're walking through life knowing that there's a God of our past, a God of our present, and a God of our future, but not knowing and realizing that He's with you right now? He hadn't left us. He's still just as much here today as He was yesterday and will be tomorrow. And we need to be focused on, the, uh, on that fact more than the deceptions that are being yelled and screamed at the rooftops out there in this world. Are you hearing me? And when we do that, this is the kind of thing that will happen. Verse 17, it says, And he was afraid, and in the morning took a stone, and he had put, a, uh, put it up for his pillow, and set it up for a pillow, and poured oil upon it. Now he's responding, verse 18, he's responding to what he's heard and what he's seen. Verse 19 says, and he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city at first was called Luz. And Jacob, verse 20, vowed a vow saying, if God be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, verse 21, so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. He said, Lord, if you're going to feed me clothe me, take care of me, cause it to where I can come back home again in peace. You're my God. I'm settling it now. You're my God. Are you hearing it? And this is what God's saying that we need to do now. Settle it now. God's God. Then he went on and he says, And this stone which I have set for a pillow shall be the God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, Lord. He had an expectation of getting some things because God's word promised it. Remember? God, 
God stood at the top and said these things. I'm going to give you this land and all that. He says, I'm going to give you a tenth of it back. That's a response, isn't it? And we need to do the same and recognize that God needs to be that awake and real and alive in us that we respond. Not to religion, but to respond to his word and to be that way daily, daily, hearing it. First thing in the morning before we hear anything else. Hear what is he saying? Stay tuned in. Stay focused because this year is an important year. A lot of decisions. The election is going to be a big decision. But we need to really settle it now that whoever's put into office doesn't change who my Lord is. No matter who's in the Senate, no matter who's in the House, no matter who's in the White House, Jesus is in my house. And I'm in His. And there's no harm going to come to my dwelling. I know that's what they're saying out there on the internet. And I know they say that on the television. And I know they say that about the economy. And I know they say that about the, the World Health Organization. It's everywhere. But you know what? God's Word is true. And that's what I'm doing. I'm settling that. Say it with me. Settle it now. If God be with me, if God is in my past, if God is in my present, and God's going to be in my future, then I'm going to respond to His Word and not man's. I settle it now. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You that here it is, the beginning of the year, You're already telling us that we need to settle it now. That there's a lot of things that we don't have to experience the hard way. That we can look at your word, respond to it, and, and believe what you're saying for us. Lord, we thank you for already in advance for a great year. And Lord, I declare a great year upon your people. I thank you, Lord, that your promises are yea and amen, regardless of the situations that take place in this world. We agree with you. We walk with you. Lord, we thank you for healing those people this morning as Marcia prayed. We look to you as being our healer, our provider, our all in all. You are our God in whom we trust and believe. So, Lord, I thank you that you bless the people today as they go. Thank you, Lord, that they've settled it in their heart now that you, Jesus, are Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.